Hey there, everybody. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's DC. N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com slash tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Hello and welcome to the DC Comics News Podcast. We're back, we're bad, and we're dangerous. With me tonight, <laughs> we have, as always, a returning Seth Singleton. Please say hello. Hello, everyone. Great to share a little bit of news with you today. Brad? Hey, it's Brad, and uh, I'm also happy to be here spreading some news. Damien? G'day, yes. everybody. All the way from Down Under. Very, very happy to join the podcast. And for those who may not know, Damien, um, for his sins, owns both DC Comics News and Dark Knight News and has to put up with us crazy people <laughs> on a daily basis. Uh, but hopefully we do him proud and here we are again. Uh, so we've got one brand new team member and three returnees and we've got lots and lots to talk about. So first of all, uh, Mr. Shujihara has left under a cloud of controversy and WB have named interim leadership in the meantime until they get a permanent replacement. So, Seth, Brad, Damien, what are your thoughts on this massive restructure at Warner Brothers? Well, I'm going to start out by saying that any time that an organization, a company takes responsibility for one of its staff and says, look, we're going to address what we feel is going on. We're going to ask some hard questions. And if that leads to someone needing to step down or us making that request, they're going to be viewed in the eyes of the public as taking responsibility instead of just letting a bad problem get worse. And clearly from the description in the article, what we're talking about here is sexual harassment. And those kinds of accusations have... Uh, They've revealed a lot of, well, a lot of the dirtiness that, that's not always discussed or brought into the light when it comes to both film or other forms of production. And the chance to bring this into the light and for DC to take responsibility and ask for its leadership to also be just as responsible, I think it's a, a good step that they... Uh, are taking and it's a way that they can point to what their their goals as a company are moving forward hopefully from this moment brad what do you think about it yeah i, I absolutely agree i think it was a necessary uh, necessary choice i think that we're just at the beginning of all this so it's you know it's kind of hard to say exactly what effect it's going to have on our you know our dc world that we're talking about here but i do think it was a definite necessary choice and had to happen uh so Let's start the next chapter. Damien? Yeah, look, I tend to agree. I think 
the business needs to keep running. I think the the um, the decision to put someone in an interim position is 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 required. I don't think they really had a choice there. But I think people make up the culture of an organization, and you know, certainly hope it doesn't impact our our DC world like what like what you guys were saying there. But you know, I have I have some concerns about Warner Brothers, particularly about how it how they intersect into into the DC world. So hopefully they can sort it out and and move on. But an organization is as good as its culture and its culture is made up by its people. So they they, they need to have the self-awareness that something is not right and they, they need to invest a lot into into fixing it. Here, here, absolutely. When something like this happens, it needs to be addressed from the, the tip top of the company all the way down. And if they're going to move forward with the right culture, the right attitude and responsibility towards the people they work with, as well as us who go see their films and read their books, then Warner Brothers do need to get that right from the ground up. Um, we just want the best product to come out and to come out in a wholesome and right way. And any kind of sexual misconduct in this day and age should be stamped on. So well done, Warner Brothers. And hopefully that'll help progress and make sure that things are, are right and safe moving forward, guys. We all agreed, I think, on that topic. Yeah, absolutely. I would say yeah. so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully that means that when we get this wild and wacky, wonderful Wonder Woman sequel, Wonder Woman 84, um, things are going to be great for everyone involved, apart from perhaps Cheetah, who seems to be getting a brand new origin, not like the one we've seen in the comics, but something a lot more like uh, a bad wish gone wrong. So, Seth, what do you think about the news of cheetah being different to what we knew well i i really love this idea i'm just going to state that right from the beginning that's going to be my thesis statement i love this idea simply because a wish implies magic and for me magic has always been one of those things where magic reflects whatever your intention is right so even though that's desperation or something else that might be leading to this decision to make this wish the moment your motivations are revealed to magic, despite what you're wishing for, magic knows your intention. And that generally always leads to a uh, cause and effect sort of thing. You can't get the magical desire from your wish without there being a, uh, a recourse of some kind. And I'm just curious to see how that's going to manifest and what those complications will be, because you can't get a wish for nothing. There's always a consequence. Yes. And uh, that's that's the part that really intrigues me, because, again, there's so many pieces from the lore that they can pull from and still make this this wish just as fresh and original and yet speak to anyone who understands the heritage and history of this character. Brad, what do you think? Well, I think Cheetah's a character that in general doesn't, you know, she's doesn't have an iconic origin story, you know, like the big three say. And I think with this movie in particular, it's less about Cheetah than it is about Kristen Wiig. So mm -hmm. I think how she's embodying the character maybe makes them maybe approach her origin a little different than what they were intending, or maybe they were all, always intending something different. But I think that it's really about Kristen Wiig in, in, in this sense. So her origin doesn't really play that much of a part. Damien? Yeah, it's... It's a funny one. I like. I, I do like the fact that um, the origin story 
it seems like there's going to be a fair bit of effort put into the into the origin story of the character. I think movies are successful when the the film has been able to build a very close relationship between the audience and the character. And if you if you craft an origin story in the right way, then you you, you build that relationship between the audience and the character, and 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 the audience then you know obviously loves the film or falls in love with the film. Um, and and as simple as that sounds, it doesn't get done very uh, very well very often. Um, you go back to Batman Begins, and you know we that was uh, one of the greatest origin stories of all time in my opinion yeah. because they they heavily they 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 really cleverly crafted the origin of Batman and, and, and Bruce Wayne. And, and we, it took us on a bit of a journey throughout the film. So I, I'd love to see what this looks like with Cheetah. I think, I think it's, I think it's a great idea. We'll get something new. We'll get something refreshing and, and, and hopefully it adds to what should be a great film. Yeah, absolutely guys. I mean, with Cheetah, I mean, she's had so many different backstories throughout the, decades as it is i mean for a while she was literally just uh, an athletic fighter in a cheetah costume then then came the animalistic bestial more cat-like cheetah so i think that this fresh take especially with Kristen wig as you say in the role could be fascinating I mean, the whole thing of i wish to be like wonder woman that whole hero worship thing i mean we're familiar with it as, as comic book fans we've all got a hero we aspire to be like and someone we look up to and she obviously looks up to wonder woman but this wish goes drastically wrong and she shouldn't have i mean back in 84 robin williams was still alive he should have gone to that genie not to will smith <laughs> things would have been absolutely fine but hey i mean what what can you do i mean like i said wishes if wishes were fishes, people, if wishes were fishes. Steve, you need to be casting. You need to be a casting director. I mean, I'm oh, just going to put that out there. Because... I've heard that before. I've also heard that I need to be locked up. But, hey, you know, everyone has their <laughs> um, speaking We're going to focus opinion, on that one. <laughs> absolutely. Speaking of opinions, um, DC admit that Marvel was right. This, this, this hurts a little bit because in many ways Marvel were right, but... To me, it's more like DC was wrong. The whole Warner Brothers and uh, the whole Zack Snyder fiasco. Uh, but guys, uh, what, what do you think, Seth? I think that the most important key to recovery is admitting when you have a problem. And anyone who's looked at what's been going on with DC can see that there was a problem and there's been a process of writing it, but it's just been... A beginning to that process really getting to the root of it is admitting what the problems were and that you know there's been an example that's been done better and that you can learn from it but actually what i really take away is the uh the quote from the suicide squad producer peter saffron and without reading it verbatim he basically just boils down this idea that do we really need to have the rivalry when it comes to supporting great characters whichever side they fall on marvel or dc and that actually even marvel has admitted that the success of dc is only leading to further success for them and that they enjoy the idea of shazam being a you know currently about to hit the screens because it's going to create this discussion for fans about who was captain marvel and how does that history you know come about and when was the decision made and, and how did it get a little bit muddy and how did it get cleared up or did it ever? And that that sort of ability to draw, you know, audiences 
into that history potentially it's only going to benefit not only comics but the movies that they inspire and the audiences that go to see them brad what did you think yeah i agree i i I think the rivalry is kind of ridiculous because i think that really it's you're going to be really hard pressed to find a fan that just loves marvel or just loves dc i think Mm -hmm. there's definitely some overlap uh for both i think people just love the culture and what's good for one is good for the other and as far as the tone, I think that, you know, the article talked, you know, about how DC needs to be a little lighter, but I think it depends on the character. Yes. And, and, and I think that maybe that's where Zack Snyder got off on the wrong foot with Man of Steel is that Superman's not necessarily a dark character or needs a dark story. Um, I, and kind of getting off on, you know, a darker Superman movie kind of set the tone. And it didn't necessarily have to be that way. But I just think, you know, that it does depend on the character. Damien? Yeah, I think it's been such a funny one over the years. I I think the rivalry more comes from the fans than it does from inside the, the boardroom table at the respective movie studios. Uh, I think it's it's such – this is the way I've seen it. Marvel Marvel Studios release a movie. Great. It makes a ton of money. Everyone is happy. DC is going to release a movie. Everyone on the internet starts talking about how shit it's going to be. Everyone starts talking about, is it going to live up to the previous Marvel movie that was just released? And then everyone starts talking about Zack Snyder just produced something that was so dark and so black and that's not what the world wants. Why can't they be more like Marvel? And it creates this fiery debate online. I think I'm... It's funny. I, I don't know whether I'm the I'm the best person to talk about it sometimes because I'm probably in the minority that thought that Zack Snyder was actually doing a decent job, and that's just my opinion. But what resonated with me didn't seem to resonate with the rest of my fans out here in Australia when we all went to the movies together. I remember going to see Man of Steel, and there was 13 of us that went to go see it, and I was one of two that liked it. Everyone else was like, what the hell was that? Um, but, you know, I guess that's just me. But the chopping and changing from inside of Warner Brothers, the the how they how they probably got rid of Zack Snyder and and just the Justice League stuff. It was just it's just been a mess. And yeah, and to to the point before, it's in order to inflict any change, there needs to be self awareness from within that something is not right and 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 something needs to change. So and sometimes that self awareness never comes, um, but the fact that it's there is great and. It doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be a um, this massive rivalry between the two studios because one is good for the other. If if they can keep uh, superheroes alive in in the in the in in the movie industry and make it a um, a popular thing that people still want to part with their money with, then people will go see superhero movies and and one can feed the other. They don't need to be rivals. I'm I'm I'm. I'm a massive, massive DC guy. I don't mind Marvel, but I've still spent money and seen all the Marvel films. So, uh, you know, I, I think I think it definitely doesn't need to be a rivalry. They can they can support each other. So, you know, let's take a step back and and celebrate what we're doing. I, I love talking to you guys. I really, really love talking to you guys because yeah, points that all three of you made. I have to I have to express my thoughts on them as well and expand upon those like seth you said that there 
doesn't have to be a rivalry. They can work together. I mean, I don't know if it's the same in Australia, Damien, but in the UK, uh, throughout the 70s and early 80s, when I was growing up, um, I didn't actually see American comics till I was almost in my teens. And the UK reprints, some of them were like big, large A4 size black and white books, which reprinted Marvel stories and DC stories in the same comic. So I grew up reading one comic which had a Spider-Man adventure in it and a Batman adventure in it. And I didn't realize that they were two separate things until I was, I was a fair bit older. And I love both companies. I love both sets of characters. Um, when it comes to the movies, Marvel are, are doing a phenomenal job in a way, because still like 20 movies in, they finally made a female led film and DC did it with Wonder Woman. But I do think that DC's female characters are much, much, much stronger. So, I love what um, the star of uh, Captain Marvel, what's his name? Levi. Hello, Zach. Zachary Levi. Zachary Levi. He did a fantastic video a couple of weeks back where he said, listen, if you like the original Captain Marvel from the 40s or Shazam or whatever you want to call him, great. If you love Carol Danvers' Captain Marvel from Marvel, great. You can't, don't have to love one by literally wiping the floor and crapping all over the other. They both got a place. They can both be enjoyed. Why do fans, and this is movie fans here, because you're absolutely right as well, guys, when you say that comics fans on the whole tend to love a bit of both. They don't want one to fail or one to succeed. It's moviegoers and critics, like you said, Damien, that seem to want to destroy a DC movie before it's even released. And to the extent where I love the Marvel movies because they're fun. Their popcorn, their entertainment. But to me, DC was like something a bit meatier, something a bit more gritty. And I like ice cream and popcorn, but every now and then I want a nice juicy steak. And Warner Brothers' interference and the way they literally destroyed Zack Snyder's vision just gave us a steak flavored ice cream. And it just didn't work, the Justice League movie. And his goal, he made Man of Steel off the back of Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy. He couldn't go in and do a bright coloured Superman film following that on because people had expectations of, oh, I've just seen Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, and those were real. He couldn't go back to Christopher Reeve era. And his plan was to slowly lighten Superman. And we saw it in, in the subsequent movies in what's left of, of Zack Snyder's vision. But I'm with you, Damien. I'm a big Zack Snyder fan. I think that his ideas were spot on that but obviously people just wanted Marvel, 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 and he couldn't win. But, hey, I'm passionate about that, and uh, I don't usually go dark. I usually miss the positive. So I'll end it there, unless anyone else has anything they'd want to add to, to that. I will well, just I... add in and say that I really actually loved Man of Steel. I have no problem saying that the first ten times and every time since, it, it makes me cry. I mean, it's, it's so heartfelt and passionate. Uh, it actually made me feel a little bit better when I find, found out that uh, Henry Cavill, the first time he saw it, you know, broke into tears. Because I thought to myself, like, how did you just suddenly bring this character into my heart? And I'd always had, you know, strong affection for Superman and for that, that concept that was raised by, by someone who I can't know well enough to quote. But they essentially said, you know, Superman is is everything we aspire to be outside of being human. And Batman is everything we aspire to be as a human being. Um, 
and I thought that Man of Steel really did that. You know, it 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 brought that aspiration to be as great as this guy was, and yet at the same time, in the process of doing it, to still have that sort of that heartfelt, you know, understanding, which uh, really resonated through the film for me. I felt that there were some stumbles after that film, and that was my greatest frustration: was that was such a strong first step, so much potential was available. And to waste that potential is such a, a heartbreaking thing to experience. You know, it's like watching someone get so close and, and suddenly make that wrong turn and you're going, oh, you had it. It was right in your hands. You were holding it. Um, and that was just my little blurb on add-on there. Guys? Yeah, no, look, I, I agree. I think Warner Brothers should have stuck to their nerve and mm. and allowed Zack Snyder to carry out his vision. I, I think, I don't know. I I I think the DC universe would have been would have been better for it. And I'm still a fan of having an interconnected universe, just like Marvel have done. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a completely different debate, isn't it? We're going to talk about um, an interconnected universe versus you know separated <laughs> films and what that adds and what it do- and what it takes away potentially, but. Yeah, I, I, I like Zach. I miss Zach. I wish I could give Zach a hug. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of liking the Zack Snyder love because I, like everybody here, I'm, I'm a fan as well. I, I don't think he gets enough credit. And there's just so much trash talked about him mm-hmm. on the internet. It's, it's good to have a little uh, Zack Snyder support. Well, I think the lot of the hate, and it's not even down to Zach, it's because as soon as Man of Steel, a few people said, oh, that's not Superman, that's dark, clearly from people who'd never read a Superman book in their lives, because that was the closest to a screen-perfect Superman as I've ever seen, um, Warner Brothers started interfering. And Batman versus Superman was 75% Zack Snyder at most, hence the need for a director's cut almost straight away. And Justice League, no matter what it says in the credits, that is not a Zack Snyder movie, but hey, let's uh, let's change the subject. I think we're all really invested in this one. Agreed, but, agreed. Um, a little bit more bad news-ish. Um, the lighter side of the DC universe. Yes, it does have one, listeners. Um, the Flash TV show. Uh, recent episodes, lowest ratings ever. Um, Flash fan number one, Mister Singleton. What do you what do you think? <laughs> well, it, it's hard. For me, essentially, when it comes to anything that's in a long, long run, and right now we're talking about the, the fact that The Flash has already lodged a couple of seasons under its belt, so it's not like it's only in its first season or two. Um, it's a marathon. These guys mm-hmm. aren't doing something that they're trying to hit the high note every time. Is it something they strive for? Of course. Everyone's got their expectations and goals. But... Just like any other production, anytime you're trying to put something together with that many people and all of these different things that can suddenly go wrong and change what the storyline is supposed to be or what's actually possible in the amount of time that exists in 24 hours, you're going to end up with some duds. It's just going to happen. Granted, there was probably a little bit, as the article mentions, some fall off since the announcement of Arrow and the sense of like, is this going to keep going? You know, what am I watching? And also, you know, 
what other factors might have been going on. I don't know what it was up against during that week or what might have been going on in the news that I can think of on the top of my head that would have pulled it away. But one bad rating for an episode, to me, does not spell doom. And as it points out, season six is already assured. And we've got Crisis on Infinite Earths to look forward to. So, you know, again, when I think about a marathon, I think about every once in a while a runner is going to slow his pace or that he's going to have to overcome an obstacle. And then once that's overcome, the, the runner sets his pace again and looks for the finish line. So I'm, uh, I'm not worried at all. They hit a rock. They're stumbling. They're, they're going to keep moving and they're going to find their stride again. Brad, what did you think? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that um, it's uh, with with Arrow being you know canceled. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to drag Flash down, or it doesn't have to. Because one thing I liked about the Flash is that it kind of always stood on its own, apart from the Flash. It had a good supporting cast, and um, the story was a bit of a nothing burger in a way because there is no guarantee that it's going to be canceled. It could just be a little bit of a slump. And like you said, with the crisis on Infinite Earths, that could bring more people. And we're already assured next season. So it's not necessarily uh, the end of the road. So, we'll, you know, maybe we'll see what the showrunners do to maybe change the pace. But I don't think it's necessarily the end of the world with The Flash. Damien? Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, I think there have been parts of the, of this season where the flash has probably it's probably dipped. But I mean, I caught I actually I caught up last night and I watched the last the the the, late, the, the latest two episodes and and I think it's it's I think it's picking back up again. And I think there's, for me, there's a little bit of an, anticipation with particularly the last the last episode um, uh, with uh, with Flash's daughter and 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 kind of what. She, She's done. No, no, no spoilers. I'm not gonna not gonna say anything other than that. But um, it's funny because in in my eyes, it's you know Arrow's the 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 founding the founding show of the of the TV universe, and and it for me in my mind, it's Arrow has kind of sat in the center of everything, and then around been around the periphery. And and you're right, just because Arrow's finishing up, it doesn't mean that um, it, it can drag Flash down, or or, or the Flash is going to um, uh, is going to stop. Um, there's going to be propaganda online as we head towards the end of the arrow. If there's any other dip in in um, in ratings, people are going to start talking about this again. This is going to keep popping up. I think it all boils down to the long term intent for the CW. Do they want the Flash to keep going for another two, three seasons, for another two seasons? And if they do. Um, crisis on infinite Earth, uh, on infinite earths next year and kind of how the flash will continue off the back of that it, it all comes down to their intent and we don't know what their intent is for the for, 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 for the flash but I think I think grant is such a strong performer I think I think the show I think the show is great and 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 I'll tell you what me personally as a DC fan up until probably five six years ago I wasn't a huge flash fan but I've fallen in love with the character. I, th- I think it's a great show, and I think um, I think the show can last another two, three seasons as long as the writers um, put everything into it and put everything into the story. I think, um, yeah, I don't think it's the end for the Flash at all. I think it's um, it's uh, it's a bit of a whirlwind online, but you know, let's not freak out. 
Yeah, absolutely. People are getting a little bit scared because of what's happened with all the uh, Marvel Netflix shows all being cancelled one after the other, like dominoes. And people are thinking, oh, hang on, Arrow's going, Flash has had a bad run this season. It was the biggest rated CW superhero show, and now it, it's not. It's just people getting worried for, for no reason, I think, because last season, because of the villain, was really strong. I thought DeVoe was the best Flash villain because he yeah. wasn't just another speedster. And this season has suffered mainly from two things. Chris Klein. Um... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well I, said I, like I, just a I, subtle dig so deep <laughs> two words i had to, I had to say it because mm. literally he he's got one tone all better humans must die <laughs> oh please god in one episode when they entered his niece's brain she was a better cicada than than he ever was and um cicada is dead long live cicada i'm sorry i I don't like being negative but after the genius villain we had in season four bringing in captain cardboard for this season um (laughs) please go back to making american pies and uh please do not disgrace our screens again as 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 a villain because seriously uh, i'm surprised cast I, I i you know and it's not a dig at like but i was a little bit surprised i was like oh bring back the mid-90s um i feel old now mm. but um <laughs> yeah i was really surprised that they uh they casted him um but anyway yeah hey we we learned and i'm gonna pile on because honestly the last time i'd seen him in anything was when there was like a free stars weekend or something <laughs> And I caught him in a really bad Street Fighter movie with the girl who played uh, Lana Lane. Oh, the love. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And as soon <laughs> as I saw Chris Klein, it's like this. Yeah, I mean, he just looked rough between between everything, the way he looked and the way he was acting. That was the only thing in my mind when I heard the word about he was being cast, and I just thought, ooh. Oh wow! This is this could be really amazing if they go with whatever he's doing right now and, and turn into something great. But if they don't, this could get really ugly. And as Steve pointed out, you know, it's really ugly. <laughs> for for someone so damn handsome, yeah, it got really really ugly. So <laughs> I think um, rather than carry on, because again, um, I, I'm usually <laughs> Mr. Positive. I'm usually Mr. Let's look forward. Yay. Things are great. I'm Mr. Boom Patrol. And today I'm being Mr. Gloom Patrol. And that's that's <laughs> not right. So let's change tack. And uh, uh, Damien and I have a lot in common, apart from the strange accents um, and being charismatic and clever and modest. Uh, we're both huge Batman fans. And so Batman news. Uh, looks like the movie's being set in the 90s. Gentlemen, I need your thoughts. Seth? Well, let me just start out also by saying that you guys both have the coolest accents, and I don't know how Brad feels about it, but every time I open my mouth, I think to myself, is there some way I could make how I'm saying what it is I'm saying cooler? And then I hear you guys speak after me, and I realize (laughs) that it's just a hopeless thing. Like, you guys... Really? I mean, comparatively, it's just, ah. all right, I'm not going to dwell. I'm just going to come back to you. The check is when in it the comes mail. To the... <laughs> no problem. Thanks, folks. I'm here all weekend. <laughs> uh, I, I love the news about Batman being set in the 90s, simply for the, the nostalgia, because, yes, it, it does make me also feel old. 
Um, and, and because of that, some of that's going to feel fresh and also embarrassing because either it's a style that I embraced in some way, shape or form or unknowingly did and now can see myself reflected in the mirror and ashamed. <laughs> but, but what I do love is that the, the point of the story that they're focusing on is that he's got to crack a mystery and it's going to take him back to his detective roots. Now, we've talked about the the element of the detective story being so important to this movie and how much we're all looking forward to that simply because it's not something that's really been portrayed well in, in movies yet. And it's something that, if done correctly, could really sort of cement this thing that everyone who reads comics and Batman comics knows about Batman, his you know ability as a brilliant world-class detective but also that we'll get to see that foundation where he learned his skills who he learned it from and the potential characters that could be introduced i mean there's people from interpol there's people from all sorts of different places that i'm sure everyone is thinking about and the fact that we not only can get to understand some of his thinking when it comes to who he is as a detective now but all of that history is just something that I feel is a goldmine, not only for audiences, but for fans, because the, the potential for the eggs, I mean, they're going to be darkly and brightly colored, and we're all just going to be eyes popping out of our head to look. I'm going to stop gushing. Brad, I'm going <laughs> to switch it over to you because I could just keep talking or I could be, you know, just a little bit more responsible. What did you think? Yeah, I think it's a cool idea. I think that having it in the 90s will definitely put some limits on the technology that he can use. There's not going to be drones and things like that. So he can really focus on that down-to-earth detective part of the character. So I think there's some cool potential in that. Um, and I don't think we're going to have to simply rely on nostalgia. I think there'll be a deep enough story that will resonate beyond <coughs> just nostalgia. So, yeah, I think it's a kind of a cool idea. Damien? Yeah, I was, it, I was really um, I, I, I was really excited when I heard the news that it was going to be set in the 90s. It kind of, for me, it kind of takes away, you know, the, the modern technology component to the story. I'm kind of envisaging, um, a, you know, a really sharp focus on, on – on the man, the human being, and how he breaks down a crime scene, how he interrogates people, how he pieces evidence together. And I think coupling that with um, some really cool action, because let's face it, we want to see action in this new Batman movie. We want to see we want to see Batman kick ass and and we want to see him do it the way he does it in the comic books. Um, but I think again, we want to see, we want to see the origin, the, the origins of Batman. We want to see the origins of how Bruce Wayne became this this amazing world class detective. So, pulling it back to the nineties, I think yes was a was a smart move. Um, and you know, let's face it, Batman is DC's premium product. Um, it's 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 the anticipation for me is is incredibly high. I I, I think going back to being a detective story is is great we've never seen this before um but i think matt reeves is going to have to keep the balance between a detective story some really really cool action um yeah so i think that the 
the the challenges that Matt Reeves will face is, I mean, we're going back and we're, we're, he's creating he's creating a detective story, and I think I think that's great because we haven't seen anything like that before in a, in a Batman film, and there's going to have to be a sense of of origin to that. So we so we want to be taken on a journey and see how Bruce Wayne became this amazing this amazing detective. But I mean, for me personally, I think the challenge he's got is, you know. You're going. Let's not let's not go too far that way because we do want some cool action and we do want we want to see we want to see a replica of some of the the great action sequences in the comic books that we've grown to love. So for me, there needs to be a little bit a little bit of a a little bit of a fine balance there. And I think, you know, let's take it back, you know, 22, 23 years to the mid 90s and do that because it removes it removes the reliance on a whole bunch of technology and and focuses more on the man. Um, and I think, I think that's great. Um, but you know, I'll finish off with saying that my favorite for, for Batman is still Carl Urban, but we're not going to get Carl Urban. So I'm intrigued to see who, who, who it's going to be. Um, I think it's very strange that we still don't know who it's going to be. And they're planning on shooting in, you know, eight months time. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Four Bat Fans Separated at Birth podcast. Yeah, guys, uh, <laughs> everything you said, totally agree. One thing that worries me a little with the nineties, though, is um, if they say it's the nineties, because that will just date the film horribly. What I do agree with one hundred percent, everything all three of you said is, yeah, lose the tech, the gadgets, the gizmos. We want to see a man using his brain fighting crime, because that's what separates Batman from everybody else. I mean, Superman himself said it. Yes, he's just a man, but he's the most dangerous man in the world. And that's the Batman I'm sure all four of us want to see, guys. Uh, am I right with that? Yeah. Yeah, Agreed. absolutely. I want to see Batman punch people with his fists. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and um, it's interesting, too, because I just realized I didn't touch on it all was the fact that they're looking for a younger actor, but also they want an unknown actor. And I thought that was something that would be, you know, the more I was listening to everyone as they were describing what we are looking for, what we need from a Batman. I also think that it's going to be important for us to see a, a fresh slate, a mm. fresh canvas or a fresh piece of clay that's being molded right before our eyes. And also because... You know, Damien was pointing out the idea like we need to see that that true action, violence, ferocity that we know Batman is always keeping just underneath, always ready to tap into. And when it's someone new, it makes them unpredictable. You don't know when they're mm -hmm. going to sort of unleash. And it, it suddenly just spoke to me that, wow, going with a younger unknown allows us to have all of these great moments and fulfill these things that. Damien, Steve, Brad, you've all been bringing up, and as I'm hearing it going, smart, smart guys. If you do this right, yes. you can set things up really smart and really deliver because of all these things that you'll be working with that, you know, right. we're going to be taking in. Yeah. And while I am quite sad to see Ben Affleck lead the role, the younger, stripped-back Batman has got a lot of potential for a couple of reasons. A, if it's a young, unknown guy and he's great, how many more films can he make? This is a franchise that could become a legacy. This is something that could be awesome. This won't be one Batman making a couple of films and then vanishing. If they pick the right actor, which is why I think the rating, they want to get the 
right going for the role. We could have a whole string of awesome Batman movies and Matt Reeves can do it. Um, I lost interest with Planet of the Apes after the first two. Uh, a lot of the sequels to me were just mush. Tim Burton made one mistake and that was his Planet of the Apes movies. But Matt Reeves' Planet of the Apes movies, awesome. He can do actors. He can do special effects. He can do character, emotion, the whole thing. So yeah, yeah, me excited. Yeah, I thought the, the new Planet of the Apes movies were better than the the original. Oh hell yeah! Actually, so much. <laughs> and and it was yeah. one more thing about Batman, real quick. Is it's kind of interesting it, it, putting it in the '90s specifically, because since Gotham isn't a real place, Gotham always comes across yes. as kind of timeless. So you could still watch the Tim Burton Batman mm-hmm. movie and not think that it was made in 1989. It could have been made, you know, it, it could be present day almost i mean besides the certain technologies so that's an interesting kind of choice is why specifically the 90s and that's what worked with gotham as well the whole tv shows you don't know when that's set it's got like 80s style cell phones but obviously the whole thing of being new york and it being a mishmash of architecture and light and dark and neo and art deco and gothic and everything else um as long as it's like sort of 90s base so it fits in with that ethos but they don't mention the 90s yeah winner mm-hmm. smart i didn't even think of that nice so um, obviously we can't talk about batman without talking about the clown prince of crime and this is again came out of left field but i'm excited because i'm a huge hawking phoenix fan new photos gents let, let's talk about this joke of movie and uh, what we're seeing from behind the scenes well, I'm going to start out by saying I thought it was a great picture. It seemed to be setting up a moment of reflection that's clearly sort of the calm before the storm when a character is faced with challenges or is maybe made aware of something and sitting down, they have to weigh out who they're going to be, what they're going to do. Or maybe they're just letting it sink in, and this is part of one of many steps that lead in this progression to a regular person becoming someone completely outside of who they were, becoming someone completely estranged from themselves. And I like that it was set with this very well-intentioned lighting and shadows, and I love that it seems to give you that sense of, again... When you're setting up possibility, all you have to do is frame it with that, what's going to happen next? And I'm hooked and I'm engaged. Brad, what did you think about it? Yeah, I'm so excited for this. Any picture that leaks or any little, you know, footage that comes out that somebody shot on their cell phone of him running down the street. um, I I got such an appetite for it. I wanted so. I'm kind of hoping that as cool as this picture was, I'm kind of hoping that it was kind of like a hint that maybe they're going to drop some kind of teaser trailer uh, in the near future. Because, I mean, the production's been going on long enough that they might have a little bit of footage that they can kind of throw out there to whet our appetites even more. Uh, Damien? Yeah, I think the picture, all, all it does is increase anticipation. I think for me, it's it's pretty exciting. It's it's a very... it's it, for me, it's a deep and meaningful picture. It raises so many questions, and and um, again, I'm such a I'm such a big fan of of building very very strong origin films, and 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 the Joker has uh, so many question marks around 
around his background and, and, and even, I mean, we've grown to know him as a character, really, oh. to really break down the motivation on, on how he becomes the way he becomes and just how psychologically broken the man is. Um, I mean, you look at his eyes, look at his face, look at the expression on his face. I mean, it's, I think it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love it when a movie director does this genius thing of he sees people posting pictures and videos from his set. He thinks, well, listen, I can't compete with that. So I'm just going to release my own, which are shot properly and look good and will give a better picture of the film I'm making. So kudos. I love Todd Phillips for doing that. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And when you get an actor of that caliber in a role that iconic and everything I'm hearing from the set from his fellow actors is that he is killing it. And when Kevin Smith and people like that say that Joaquin Phoenix is, is, is absolutely killing it. I was a bit wary about the makeup at first, but he's a genius actor. So I, yeah, I mean, you know, I have a feeling, you know, going back to the makeup that, that that's not going to be the entire mm -hmm. Joker makeup. And I think that that's kind of what they're showing us to get us in that mindset. But I think that maybe that's for a certain section of the movie and we're going to get a different kind of Joker later on. Completely yeah, I agree. I agree. I think what we're seeing is the inception of the Joker and it's not the evolution of the Joker, which hope, you know, is towards the end of the film or something like that. I totally agree. Nice. Well, that ends our movie news. So before we jump into our TV and streaming news, there's a little break and a word from our sponsor. Hey there, everybody. This is Josh Rayner, editor-in-chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's DC. N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that, uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com slash tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Back to you guys. Hi, welcome back to the DC Comics News Podcast. Uh, we've talked about movies. And now we're going to jump into TV and streaming news. And the first one's got me excited, even though, um, and Damien will agree with me on this, we don't get DC Universe outside of this yet. <coughs> Curse the fate of across the oceans. Um, but you will be giving everybody who can get it uh, one day free. So, Seth, uh, please uh, rub our noses in it and rub salt in the rooms and tell us how excited you are that we'll be getting one day free for DCU. Well, I'm going to resist the urge to say, yeah, looks good, don't it? Don't you wish you could watch it? Don't you just wish you could, yes. don't you? Yes. No, I'm not mm -hmm. going to be that guy. What I will say is that um, it's, if you have something you know is great, really all you ever have to do is offer the first time free. And if what you've got is really great, people are always going to come back. It's just the nature of things. It's why the joke has always been uh, when people are joking about, you know, 
the drug dealer or, you know, some amazing piece of food that you, you have to pay an exorbitant amount of money and you get a sample of. They always say the first one's free. And you know what I mean? Suddenly after that, you're hooked. And I really feel that the products that DC Universe is offering when it comes for the, the streaming, man, just show them a glimpse. Just show them one episode of Titan. Show one episode of Doom Patrol. And I guarantee you're going to capture such a larger percentage of audience possibility than you would if you just asked them to buy in sight unseen. By giving that glimpse, by giving just that hint, uh, the number of people that are going to come back and say, yeah, what you charging for that? Because I have to finish it and I'm going to pay. Uh, brilliant marketing move, brilliant strategy. And I think it's also a really smart way to keep in mind that the world's paying attention when it comes to the celebration of, uh, well, as I think Damien said it probably better than I'm going to try to, DC's uh, most well-known character. Uh, DC's, you know, essentially the character who has done so much, whether it's the animated or the movies or the comic book, um, recognize what that means and also give something to the fans who maybe are looking for a reason to jump on board. And the first taste of this you know, streaming, that's, I think, really going to be what brings it in. But I know I'm just one opinion. Brad, what's yours? I, you know, I agree. I think that I, I want people to subscribe and watch these shows. They're good. They deserve an audience. And if they throw out the free weekend, free first episodes, whatever it may be, if that gets more subscribers and that gets more people talking and into these shows, I'm all for it. Because uh, not just with those shows, but all the other content that's on that streaming service, there's just so much there. And, you know, you get a lot, at least as far as I'm concerned, you get a lot of bang for your buck with what you can watch. So I want it to succeed. And I want people to be able to watch this content and keep it going. Damien? Yeah, look, I think it's a great idea. Um, it, it'd be awesome if <laughs> if you could watch it in Australia. But um being a tech guy uh, by day, I kind of probably understand why they're doing what they're doing from top view. Um, uh, but I, I think, yeah, being the, the 80th year of the Batman, the fact that it's probably the biggest year of my life, <laughs> um, I think I think it's great. You know, put your premium product out there um, at scale. Show everyone. It's, it, it's a true celebration when you give something out to the fans to say, hey, you know, Thank you for making Batman what he is today through your investment, through through the purchase of, of all our products and all, all the ways that we've celebrated Batman over the years. We're going to give you something back for free. It's a big thank you to the fans. It's a big thank you to everything that we've contributed to as as the audience. And I think, I think it was a great, genius idea. They're probably going to use it to see, well, okay – What's the adoption of the service like if we're throwing it out there for free and use that as a baseline? There'd be a lot of reasons why they're doing what they're doing. But I think it's awesome. I think, you know, I'm envisaging millions of people, you know, creating an account, going in and, and sitting down and celebrating the Batman. And I, and I think I think it's, it's, it's a great idea. Just bring it to Australia. Bring it everywhere. We want yeah. it. <laughs> we need it. We must have it. We will cry if we don't get it. Stomp our feet and throw all our toys out of our cribs. That's what will happen. We need it now. 
if only I worked for a couple of American sites that had WBTV and let me watch these shows anyway. What I do? I'll shut up then. So, guys, the other show that people are talking about right now is based on a strange world out in space called Krypton. And we finally have a trailer for season two. And this show has blown a lot of people's expectations out of the water. Everyone thinking, well, is this Gotham for Superman? What's going on? What is this about? But um, this looks pretty good. Seth? I think it does look really good. I like the trailer. I will be completely honest. Uh, I had been waiting for Krypton season one to finish so that I could set up some binging and, and knock it out. And I failed in my attempt. And seeing this trailer is providing all the incentive I need to get off of my butt, break out some time, maybe sacrifice a little bit of sleep, maybe, you know, give up some other things. I mean, we only need to shower every so often and just get season one out of the way because I want to see every iteration there is of Brainiac. I want to see every attempt that can be made to bring the characters I love from comics to life. And I should be watching this show. I'm not ashamed, but I am a little disappointed that I'm not. And I want to hear from others who potentially have been because it's just going to provide all that incentive I need because I thought the trailer provided a lot of great incentive. But Brad, what else can you tell me to get me watching? Yeah, I, I like the first season too. Uh, it's it's very different than any other superhero inspired mm-hmm. show out there. It's very kind of political, uh, more Games of Thrones in that way. Uh, bringing a villain that's such a blunt force like Doomsday into a show that's nuanced will be interesting to see how they play that. But I, I really did like, uh, like the first season and, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll wait and binge a show, but Krypton, I actually liked that. I wanted to see the next episode as it came out. So I actually watched it every week. So I was happy to see that there's a new trailer for the next season and see where they go next. Damien. Yeah, look, I, t- I, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think, um, I think the show is very different to to some of the other shows that we're watching, and um, I think, uh, I think it will go from strength to strength. I think Brainiac is such a, um, such a, a, a curious character, and um, you know, obviously, such a powerful one at that. But um, yeah, I think um, I, I, I remember interviewing the. Um, uh, part of the crew at San Diego Comic Con in 2017, and, and knew that they were onto something a little bit special with 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 the people that that they had pulled together. So, um, yeah, bring on season two. Awesome. I mean, you guys said it all really. When a TV show that's released um, weekly, people have to watch every episode as they come out. That's the sign of a successful TV show. I mean, I'm a big fan of binge watching, but when I watch a TV series, um, Titans did it for me, like you said, Seth, and so did Doom Patrol. Um, I, I can't wait for the season to end. I need to watch it as it comes out. When a TV show does that, that's magic in the bottle. That That's lightning. That's brilliant. And uh, all success. Yeah, if, if season two is as good as season one, if everything lives up to the expectations of the trailer, winner. Very, very happy. Well, now I've got so many reasons to get through season one and catch up. 
yeah, it's it's very different. Um, everything you're expecting from the show, Seth, throw it away, completely throw it away. Um, and awesome. as you're so into really sexy accents, you're, you're going to enjoy it. And easily the coolest brainiac we've ever seen on a live action show or a movie. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Good job, Definitely. guys. Way to wet the taste buds. Yeah. yeah. We I'm live hungry. to surf. We live <laughs> to surf. <laughs> and speaking of, of wonderful TV shows like Titans, this is two stories, but I, I think this is really one we've already known from last week's episode um, about the casting of Deathstroke, the coolest baddie ever. His daughter and his son are being cast, or have been cast, I should say, for Titans Season 2. We're going to see um, Rose. We're going to see Jericho, who is one of my all-time favourite comics characters. Uh, this has got me jumping up and down and punching the air with joy. Seth, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm completely juiced about both of these announcements. Uh, I mean, I was already excited from last week when I heard about you know the 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 podcast discussion regarding Isai Morales. I mean, that guy, he, he's done so many great things. I enjoy every time he steps onto the stage, uh, every time he appears on screen, every time he asks me to trust what he's doing. And whether it was La Bamba, uh, whether it was Me Familia, whether it was uh, later on when he was doing NYPD Blue, I mean, he always gave me a reason to believe. I, I'm really excited to see what he and this combination of Rose and uh, Jericho is going to mean. Um, one, I'm excited for Rose because she just has this, I always remember just this raw, hot anger. Just this, I'm never satisfied until it's all just, yeah. there's this great writer who had a book series or had a short story collection called Everything Ravaged, Everything Burned. And that's what comes to mind when I think of uh, Rose. When I think of her, she's just like, set the world on fire because I'm just so angry. And then when it comes to Jericho, there's so much involved with this casting selection. And I'll try and keep this short because I feel like I've gone on a couple of rants. Um, but <laughs> when it, <laughs> and I know that's, you know, <laughs> come on, it's a discussion. It's not just hey. one guy just espousing. Um, but when it comes to Jericho, the, the, the casting choice here for cello man the the story about being born with progressive hearing loss um and the understanding that that's going to bring for this actor when yes. taking on a character like jericho i think is huge especially because for me i remember the first time i read a titans issue with jericho and that moment when i saw a hand gesture and i thought i don't understand what this means but the other character did and then it starts to click for me he's using sign language intriguing like it it changed the way i was reading that issue it changed the way i looked at everything he did afterwards and the ability to recognize those subtleties because of his own personal experiences i think is going to really make this casting choice for jericho so strong that i'm never going to be 100 percent about where he's standing or what his motivations are because i feel like because he's you know you always got to be careful with the quiet ones He's always got so many wheels turning and the potential for all of these dynamics to just really not only wreak havoc on the Titans, but also test them and make them pull together as a family. 
yeah, I'm going to stop ranting. And Brad, tell me what you're thinking. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the fact that you know, Teller Man has uh, progressive hearing loss is going to bring a definite layer to that character that it's going to have a certain authenticity. Uh, and also the fact that also the actor also deals with gender dysphoria, which can also bring a whole other level of complexity to that character. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, what they do, what the team does, and what Chevlin Man does with that character. And I love the idea that we're going to have the Wilson family. It's not just going to be Deathstroke. It's going to be all three of them, which I think is going to be very cool. Uh, lots of lots of different sides of villainy there, I think, that will be fun to watch them explore. Damien? Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, Deathstroke for me, one, he's my favorite villain in the DC universe. I, th- I think he's so intriguing. Um, I always, I've always been a fan of when you've got a good guy and a bad guy in a, in a film. I think the less villains you have, the better it is because you can focus and penetrate deep on on establishing a relationship. I've said this before: establishing a relationship between the audience and the 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 character. The fact that we're where we've got Deathstroke is amazing. I think the casting is is on point. I think now that we're expanding out to the to the Wilson family, I think is a is a genius stroke. I, I think um, I, I'm envisaging. Um, uh, I'm envisaging a, a, a lead up to Deathstroke himself, maybe towards the end of the series. Um, but I think focusing on the Slade family is 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 really um, uh, uh, you know a, a great idea, and hopefully we get some real deep insights into into the Slade family and 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 how they've gotten into those um, uh, into those positions and and how powerful they'll be as a family. Are they going to fight as a family, or are they segregated and separated off? Um, there's some there's some questions there, but uh, I think it's great. It's a genius move in terms of both casting for the actors and the characters they're bringing in. Because if you've got Deathstroke, who is literally the most organised, cold, calculated, ruthless killer, but he's so damn cool. He, he's, he's a villain you could actually sometimes find yourself rooting for. And then as an extreme, his daughter, Ravage, I mean, it's, it's in the name. She is violence and passion and fire. And then Jericho, Joseph, who's actually quite chilled and peaceful. I mean, even his power of, of literally just looking in your eyes and then he's you. Um, it's just so many different dynamics. And the fact that one of them is a hero. Jericho was one of my favorite Titans because of his his deafness, uh, his deafness, the fact that he was mute and had to communicate by a sign language and the casting of the actor for that as well. Well, so much more genuine feeling. This is a guy who has had to speak um, by sign language himself. So I, I love that. I, I'm, I'm loving that aspect of uh, Walking Dead this season as well. So as a Titans fan for my whole life, I was a teenager when they were, I was growing up and suffering teenage angst and problems and girls and relationships and everything else when they were seeing these characters that I grew up with. And I love made flesh on screen. Damn. I thought Titans season one was good. Season two could blow it out of the water. So I'm really, really excited. And the fact that you guys feel the same way. Yeah. Brilliant. And Seth, you were not ranting. 
that was art, my friend. Art. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Greatly appreciated. Greatly Had appreciated. appreciated. <laughs> and, and we're back on the topic of really cool accents. Uh, Mr. Pennyworth, uh, his own show has added two more characters, one of them very regal sounding, and uh, Martha. Seth. <laughs> I think Alfred is a character that I can watch for 10 seasons or more. I would be more than happy to see all the potential that, I mean, honestly, Martha and Thomas getting to see a different side of them, aside from that sort of just short introduction we always have, whether it's in the origin or in those moments of flashback when we get a chance to see them, getting to see them now with Alfred, witnessing sort of the relationship that existed beforehand for me is only going to be more of a enjoyable journey into the the past of one of the most important characters in batman's life and also someone who essentially for me has such a rooted connection because of the relationship with the parents which is now going to be so much more defined and made clear the queen part just intrigues me completely because yeah, my brain immediately went to Royal Flush and all the possibilities that could exist from that. And maybe even a twist on the origin of the Royal Flush gang and how that, that comes into being. So really, so many different ways to find excitement and so many different possibilities to look at from this that clearly uh, the teases are working and I'm drooling. I'll be honest. Brad, how about you? You know, I don't know if you guys or anybody listening saw Teen Titans go to the movies, but I kept getting a little flashback when they were watching the movie trailers and they had a trailer for Alfred the movie. But um, I, I love the idea of a kind of badass Alfred in his younger days. And I think that I, I'm hoping that it's the Royal Flesh Gang. Uh, I think that there's a lot of also a lot of potential in that for cool storytelling as villains. And they're known enough by people i think through the animated series and whatever i think that i think that that's a perfect choice for the villains for the first season damon look my take on this is that there is no batman without alfred pennyworth sometimes he's such he's so critical in bruce wayne's life he is he is the pillar that that bruce wayne needs um uh, I love the fact that we're going to get a show, a Pennyworth show. I'm so intrigued by um, how how the, the story is going to play out, the the twists and turns that we're going to see, and and yeah, man, like Alfred Pennyworth is a badass. I mean, he's got some skills. Let's not yeah. forget, he's, he's taught Bruce Wayne a fair bit of stuff, like, um, and and the fact that he's probably you know, he's the man that knows more about Bruce Wayne than anybody else. Um, speaks volumes of the character of the man. Um, so I, I'm I'm really excited, really really excited. There's not a lot more I can add to that, guys. You've you've really said it all. The thing I'm excited about too, though, is I'll expand on what you said, Seth, because absolutely to see Thomas and Martha Wayne vibrant and alive and doing stuff we've never seen them do 
before um is bittersweet because we know they're horrible and tragic ends so it's just gonna be brilliant but but heartbreaking to see them in their prime and married to alfred sas london seeing my hometown on a weekly tv show with one of the coolest brits in the history of fiction i mean bond sorry mate alfred will kick your ass <laughs> um, this is the guy who trained Batman. Please, Bond, fly away. Go home. Go home, little boy. Go home. So, uh, yeah, I am so looking forward to this. And this will be a TV show. This isn't just like a movie every four years. This is a weekly episodic. Alfred being Alfred. Yeah, I'm. Sign me up. I'm there. I'm in. Yeah, and just one other thing that you mentioned. As soon as you mentioned James Bond, I just realized not only that, but there's so many elements from that period in time again we were talking about the 90s technology going back to the 60s -hmm. sas and the technology from that time but also what was considered the the future advancements you can draw from your your bond storylines the avengers you remember the tv show with the couple and then of course uh some of the more comedic side you know get smart and silly things like that that could make a play into this and and make the episodes as serious and as tech-based as necessary and also lampoon it when it's necessary to just kind of make fun of the fact that there's a laser glue pen or something else silly like that. <laughs> they say great minds think alike, Seth. So do yours and mine. <laughs> we'll be happy to have so am I. Right. Name is Pennyworth. Alfred Pennyworth. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> never Penny. shaken, West. never stirred. <laughs> oh yeah absolutely i'm so so looking forward to i mean people were were really ripping it when it was first announced or what next uh batman the nappies years or anything like that but sorry alfred is such a rich character and if they do it right um I, i know i shouldn't talk about certain shows from certain other companies even though i love them but how great was agent carter this is this is that but hopefully won't be cancelled after two seasons so there we go hopefully yeah but someone we won't be seeing again at least this season but if he's not in crisis on infinite earth's heads will roll we're not going to be seeing tyler hecklin superman for the rest of supergirl uh this season um a little bit disappointed but i saw it coming he's got to go off and become a daddy but seth guys uh, what do you think about this Well, I understand that it seems to be more about some personal timing. I actually think it's really important to not have him around right now. Um, It's one of those situations where in order for a character to be able to stand on their own, they have to take on the bigger challenges that you might ordinarily expect someone like Superman to step in and take on. Um, It reminds me, if you think back to when they first did the, uh, the first Robin, or no, I think it was actually the second... And third, Robin, um, they did those spinoffs where he had his own sort of miniseries before he got his own launch. Yeah. And the series that they had him launch up or face off against the Joker. Yeah. And that was a huge test because he couldn't turn to Batman who wasn't there. He had to face the Joker by himself. Well, Lex Luthor is the most you know, nefarious human on the planet when it comes to Superman. And in order for Supergirl to sort of establish her identity as someone who can take on a list villains 
John Cryer is going to have to be someone that she overcomes. You know, it's going to have to be someone or that she can at least stand toe to toe with and compete with and not having Superman there to kind of ask for help or to always know, well, if I fail, he's going to be there knowing that he's off world, that he's with Argo. And of course he's got responsibilities now with, uh, with the announcement of Lois's pregnancy, you know, you, you've got this, opportunity for Supergirl to really stand on her own two feet and find a way to do it either on her own or as she's always done so well with the help of her friends. Um, and as far as uh, Tyler Hecklin goes, hey, man, if I get too worried, I can always go back and see him when he was a little kid in that great Tom Hanks film. And, <laughs> and I'm going to be just fine because whenever I see his expression in that movie, you know, I just go, hey, dude. It's Superman. It's little Superman. But those are my thoughts. Brad, what's yours? You know, I, I, I agree. The show's called Supergirl, yes. not called Superman. And the thing with Supergirl is that her story, her origin is definitely tied to Superman. So just having him not there, it's kind of like an elephant in the room. You got to at least talk about where he is or what he's doing. And the fact that now he's decided to go and be a father away that all makes sense. And it definitely gives Supergirl her time to really shine. Not that she hasn't, but this gives, you know, it, it, it's, it's definitely her time. And it's a reasonable explanation of why Superman isn't there. Uh, Damien? Yeah, I agree. Um, the show's called Supergirl for a reason. Um, to be perfectly honest... I've been a massive fan of his persona of Superman. Um, uh, just for me, something hasn't sat right um, with how he's created his persona of such an iconic, iconic character. So I'm, I'm not going to miss him too much personally. Um, he's been okay, but um, yeah, I, I just the fact that we've had two Supermans in a short period of time with Henry Cavill as well. I just yeah, it, it hasn't sat with me. So I think Supergirl needs to stand on her own, and she definitely, absolutely can. There is no question about that. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to to Supergirl taking the reins um, holistically. Brilliant. Yep. Nothing more to add except now, having finally seen John Cryer as Lex Luthor, I'm really impressed. I'm really excited, and I want to see... Cara v Lex, bring it on! Absolutely looking forward yeah, to that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, bring too. it on. Yeah. So that's our TV news. Uh, now we have to talk about our bread and butter, the thing that started it all: comic books, things that all four of us love. So, comic book <laughs> news. First of all, um, it's Batman week. Tom King, Batman seventy-five, the wedding stuff, news, Seth. Well, I like any time that someone teases that it's going to be pivotal, essential, um, something that's not to be missed. Because, of course, I I'm intrigued. And then to follow up with the fact that the huge bad event has a secret name um, and that that sets us up for the end of his run. I Come on, man. I mean, really, I was going to buy the issue already. Now you're just going to make me spin my brain around like a top 
and just wait for it to bounce off of things because that's what it's going to do until we actually get there. I mean, yeah, we, we know what happened with 50. We know the build up. We know the letdown. Um, I, I'm still chuckling because if you haven't had a chance to see it, go check out Tom King's Twitter feed. And if you get a chance to see the post that he had with the cab driver, for anyone who saw it, there's a, just a great little series of dialogue there where the guy basically just calls him out for what happened with 50. And I'll, I'll let you read it. I'm not going to even try and recall it myself. Um, but knowing what happened with 50, knowing that there's going to be that same degree of not only anticipation, but also, dude, don't screw this up sort of mentality leading up to it these other little teasers it's just like feeding the fire it reminds me of when there was a fire going and someone would decide to get bored and they take some needles off the pine tree and throw them in and you get this crack 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 and then you're just like wow the fire just got so hot so fast and then it settles back down again that's what it feels like to me and it's working i'm already perspiring a little bit and now i'm just waiting brad what do you think uh, I, th- I think that for me, one of the most rewarding things in the experience of actually reading comics is having things come to a head and being able to look back on the story, how it's progressed and see everything come together and see, oh, that's why that happened, because it was leading to this. And with with all the controversy that happened with the whole wedding fiasco, I think that Tom King probably has something in his mind of how he's going to make it right. And it's probably something that he had been planning all along throughout his run. So I'm on board. I'm psyched. Uh, Damien? Yeah, I'm the same as you. You've, you've, you've pretty much said it all. But, yeah, the anticipation of how Tom King is going to bring this back together again and and, and that the lead-up to... Um, Another big event will be uh, will be will be huge, and you know, I, I was I'm I'm going to keep buying anyway, but it, this just makes it makes it all more exciting, and and I agree with you in the fact that, you know, when we read comic books, the the knowing what's to come and the anticipation of being part of that event when it when it unfolds and seeing it unfold. Uh, in front of you, um, I think is so special. It's something that um, is very specific to just reading comic books as opposed to absorbing something through film. Um, so um, this year for me has been such a big year and such a great year in quite a few DC stories in comic books. So um, Tom King is wetting the appetite. Yeah, well said. Well said, all, all three of you. Um, I remember back when Rebirth started and Tom King spoke about his plans. He was going to do 100 issues or more if he could, that he had a, an overarching story arc and a tale he wanted to tell, which was going to be centred around Bruce and Selina. Those were his words right back at the beginning. And then people lost their minds after issue 50 when the wedding didn't happen. I knew that was coming and I thought he played it masterfully. But this guy has a plan. And this is a guy who's good at plans. If anyone's read his Grayson run, um, would know. He had this whole arc in mind of Grayson's a spy. And eventually he would go back to 
there being no Irene. He knew it was going. No one else knew. As far as we knew, the world thought Dick Grayson was dead. He was now a spy. He was working on his own. He was infiltrating Spiral. And that series was awesome. People are losing their minds again with Dick Grayson for other reasons now, but I won't go into that. Trust the writer. Let him do his job. Just like Warner Brothers should have trusted Zack Snyder. Readers, wait. Have patience. Like Seth said earlier, this isn't a sprint. This is a marathon. This guy <laughs> has a plan. Let him tell his story. He does. And actually, you know, something that you guys were just reminding me of while I was listening was there was an intention stated by Tom King. And I've actually heard in some of the discussions from the reviewers that one of the things that's always echoed is that Tom King was writing this long 100 issue story as a love story as a gift back to Batman, as a thank you to a character that meant so much to him. And, well, I know all of the love stories that I've either, you know, secretly admitted that I've either read or watched, or the ones that I've been forced to watch. And at the middle of the movie, the guy never gets the girl, and the girl never gets the guy. At the middle of the movie is when all the expectation is built, and then we're disappointed. So I I didn't recognize that, you know, at the moment. And I heard it as soon as, Steve, you were talking. But yes, this was intentional because first has to come the disappointment. Because that's the way that you create that sense of, can I trust this feeling, this person, this relationship again? And that redemption, that, that desire to see something come back or be restored or the willingness to keep going even after things didn't work out the first time, that's generally what makes a love story really ring true. Um, and thanks to you guys for, as you were talking, for stirring that up because as you were saying, I was like, that's right. This is a love story. And you never get the girl right away. You never get the guy right in the middle. You get him at the end. And that's yeah. when you get that resolution you guys were all talking about. Exactly. And it's a slow burn. Comics as a medium, as far as all storytelling and all mediums go, comics are the slowest moving because you have to wait a month between (laughs) or six months (laughs) if you want to get the trade. So you want, you you know, you look at the wedding issue expecting that big moment and you got to pull back and think, hey, maybe something's coming down the road. We just have to be patient. Amen. Nice. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let the man preach. Yeah, this, that's yeah, that's the long and short of it. With comic books, this is uh, a medium that has to have these characters fresh, not just for weeks or months, but for years and decades to come. This is Batman's 80th anniversary, guys. This is huge. Tom King's not going to tie a bow on a Batman... Catwoman relationship that's been going since Batman number one, almost the whole 80 years, in 50 issues. He said he wasn't going to do that. And like you said, Seth, any movie, you've got to go through the rubbish and the nonsense and the pain and the heartache before you get the happy ending. That's Oh, yeah. I mean, I, if I remember correctly, my Princess Bride points out that they had to kill off Wesley before he gets reunited with Buttercup. That's just the way it happened. But eventually he did. So, and my name is Inigo Montoya. No, yes, let's not go down that road. <laughs> Whatever, we cannot go down that road. But we have spoken about waiting for things. Doomsday clock. Seth. 
I, I think it's really hard to keep people engaged with a story when you keep pushing it further away from their reach. I think it's great for building anticipation, but after a couple of times, there becomes this sense of growing frustration. And also, there can be a lack of interest of, well, what if this isn't going to pay off? Personally, I've really enjoyed everything Doomsday Clock has been doing. I like what it's setting up. I'm eagerly awaiting issue 10 and I will get it. I will read it. I'll eagerly await for the next one after it. But I, I do feel that you run the risk of really creating a sense of disappointment or frustration or other pushback. And that's a disservice to fans who are coming to you regularly saying, I'm happy to buy. I'm ready to buy. Where is it? You know, and when they're ready, it's important to keep what you've promised in their hands and when you say you're going to do it. So I understand things happen, but I know the effect that this can have. It's not going to be affecting what's going to happen when I get my hands on the issue. But I know that it can have an effect for a lot of other fans. And it's a concern they should be looked into once this is all over. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I, you know, talking about waiting a month between, now you're going to have to wait two months. It, it's hard to wait, and it is hard to keep that momentum going uh, for fans. Uh, but I have loved the art in this book so much that I am willing to wait if they can have the finished product that they intended, you know, where they don't cut the art. They want to keep it the same pages. Let them let them perfect it. Um is you know i i want the issue to come out but i'd rather wait if it's going to be a better finished product damien yeah look i think it's um good stories need momentum and when there's too much of a gap between stories um i think um it's just it's just a bad it's a bad consumer experience and for me this is um i i lose i lose interest um and for me, DCs are obviously prioritizing other things internally. That's the impression I get. It's a two-edged sword, isn't it, really? While it's so frustrating because this series is so damn good that a monthly wait's bad enough, but waiting two, three months between issues is pain. But when you open every new issue and you see the detail and the quality of that art and you read the stories, you think... Yeah, that was worth waiting for. And the one bit of pleasure I'm getting out of it, even though it's going to cost me money because I'm wearing all the previous issues thin because I'm rereading all of them every time a new issue comes out. Um, it's killing me, but I'm loving it. So, yes, it's disappointing. Yes, it's frustrating. This series should have ended last year, 2018. And if it finishes before december 2019 i'll actually be surprised but it'll be worth the wait i'm gonna buy every issue and i'm gonna reread every issue before the next one comes out so uh, it's yeah it's annoying but i'd rather receive quality than have something rushed out just to please a few fans so that that's all really i can say Agreed. Nice. Give me quality. Yeah, quality over quantity, 100%. Agreed. And 
with our final piece of comic book news. Um, we've seen some real upheaval in the world of Green Lantern over the last few months with two titles ending, a new title beginning. Uh, anyone who's reading Wonder Comics will see the debut of the new Teen Lantern in Young Justice, and we still know nothing about her. But now we've got even more news about another new Lantern, and this sounds fascinating to me um seth what do you think about this new green lantern legacy series that we're going to be getting soon what i love is that it sounds completely unlike any other green lantern story that i've heard up until this time i love the the drawing from different pieces of what i feel are part of a, a common lore that exists within the the characters who come to take on the ring and who wear it so I love this introduction of uh, this 13-year-old Thai fam in his bedroom with sketch pads and comic books. So already, to me, he's this imaginative young person. And then on top of it, he inherits Grandma's jade ring. And then everything changes. So not only do we have a new version of How Did You Get the Ring?, but also this character who feels so familiar in so many ways to someone like Kyle Rayner, and yet at the same time feels so completely different that I find myself going, wow, I get to read another original take on the Green Lantern story. And it was something that I really enjoyed back when there was uh, the Green Lantern annuals. I'm thinking probably back into the 90s, and I feel that there was also, I can't recall it right now well, but... Um, a segment of DC comics when green lantern stories that were told about green lanterns from other planets yeah. provided these new versions of the origin story. But now we're doing it with people from different places around the planet where we live and getting to see those incarnations for me is really exciting and also introduces what it's like to put on the ring and what that experience is like. I loved rebirth for the moment that, Green Arrow had to put on the ring, Green Lantern Rebirth, and he had to use it. And afterwards tries to explain to Kyle, like, oh, my God, is that what it feels like every time you use the ring? And Kyle's like, yeah, every time. And what that experience is like for each person who puts it on. And this feels like such a specific pair of eyes and, and such a great viewpoint to witness that, that, yeah, I'm going to stop gushing and just say, Brad, take over, my friend. Yeah, yeah, I... I, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, it's a, such a very cool concept to have uh, the Jade Ring and kind of a non-Western take on the Green Lantern mythos will just be so much fun to watch unfold. And again, so much potential for great storytelling. I can't, I can't wait to see this. Uh, Damien? Yeah, I tend to agree. I think a... Uh, I kind of yeah. Looking through the artwork that we see in the in the article, I think a a non-Western take on the impact that the Green Lantern, you know, that the ring has on 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 someone else in the world, and and creating another another layer to to what the to what the ring does, and 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 another persona of you know the 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 Green Lantern. I think it's I think it's really unique. I think it's original. Um, and, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. Absolutely. I love the whole feel with everything about Green Lantern and Flash, where they're the 
two probably the greatest legacy characters of passing on a mantle, passing on the wisdom, passing on the, the title of hero. And this one is different because the ring's coming from a past member of the family. So you've got that whole generational side of it from a completely different viewpoint. And family is the greatest drama, politics, dynamic you can ever get in any show, movie, comic book. So to see that explained and that little hint of of the magic as well and the exotic East. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this one. Um, that's more money that DC are going to take from my wallet and I'll just hand it over and say, yep, yeah, <laughs> pass it over. I, I need to read another comic. So take my it. money. Take it. Take it now. Take my money. <laughs> so that's it, guys. Again, thank you so much. Um, I could talk to you all night about this stuff. So I really greatly appreciate it. So we'll uh, just say a quick what we do and who we do it for and then we'll sign off so seth who are you where'd you come from what do you do why do you do it uh, i do it because i love it and i love it because of what i get to write about and who i get to work with and that's why i'm a reviewer at dc comics news and that's why i love writing reviews for you because i know that what i'm writing and passionate about is what you're reading and passionate about brad yeah, I am a reviewer and news writer for DC Comics News. Uh, like y'all, I just love to be able to share my love for this culture with uh, with everyone. Damien? You know, I want to take the opportunity to... I'm not going to talk about me as such. I want to take the opportunity to say that, you know, DC Comics News, I'm happy that we're sharing our views with the world out there and with other fans like us, but DC Comics News is nothing without the hard work that this wonderful team puts together, the dedication that this wonderful team executes on a week-to-week, -week, on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it's reviews, whether it's 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 breaking the latest news, whether it's um, the, the podcast that we're doing now. We create great content because we have people working at DC Comics News who are, at the end of the day, fans just like everyone else that's listening to this podcast. And I just want to say a big thank you from the, from the bottom of my heart to, to, to this team and to everyone else working for the website. We, this website is nothing without its, its staff. And, and um, I, I'm, I just I have so much happiness inside of me when I think about the amount of passion that everyone has and the passion that everyone has to, to extend their love for DC to the rest of the world. So... Um, I'm just a fan like everyone else, and I, and I love the content that we produce. Um, and, and, you know, thanks for having me on the podcast, guys. I, I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for the opportunity. Yes. And you can follow us on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube at DC Comics News or DK News Com. And as always, um, it's been a joy to be with you. Follow us on social media. Get the podcast everywhere podcasts are available. Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and we will return. I'm Steve J. Ray. You can read my reviews and news on both DC Comics News and our sister site, Dark Knight News. Seth? Read. More. 
Comics. And the mic is dropped. Because you can focus and penetrate deep.